welcome to another episode of TNA Top 10. A little different than it has been. I kind of said that last week. We're still learning some stuff. It's not the middle of college football season. We still got the playoffs going on, but we've got some other things in store for you tonight. How you doing, buddy? I'm good. I uh, We're having an internet lag issue. Can Are you good? Can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay, so basically our listeners don't get to see this, but we're having a kung fu thing where I'm saying something and I'm seeing myself say it on the screen 10 to 15 seconds later. So somebody cue the subtitles because that's where we're at right now. I am fantastic, buddy, but it is it's been a uh, interesting week for those that don't know, maybe. Harry and myself are professional wrestling fans, and for as long as I've been alive, since December the 2nd of 1985, Vince McMahon has been professional wrestling, and it's been a rough week for those of us that that love that sport, and we'll get into that in the main event, pun intended, uh, later this e- uh, evening, but um, I don't know, Terry, I don't want to be Vince. But like I said, we'll get there. We'll get there, buddy. All right. We have a couple of other things first. We got a... Um... I know. I'm sitting there jumping the shark. But my point was, you know, everybody knows us for football. They don't know us for professional wrestling. I don't know that we've even talked other than last week about the Rumble on about professional wrestling. I'm not complaining. I was just stating it. I'm explaining to people that's listening in. Yeah, well... To, um, I wanted to tell them we're, we're going to start looking at news stories. I'm going to read for once. I'm from Alabama. I went to the Alabama public school system. I've had to learn how to read a little bit when I did this. But we're going to look at the news. We're going to talk about news stories. And speaking of Alabama, our first full disclosure, news story. Full disclosure, by the way, folks, not to interrupt you, Terry. I picked the stories, so God bless y'all. <laughs> <laughs> so you pick these stories at least. Yeah, so. The first one, so Alabama executed a guy the other day, uh, the first time in the world that anybody had been executed with nitrogen gas. Um, Kenneth Eugene Smith, he was sentenced to death for his role in a murder in 1988. That was in Colbert County. Uh, A little bit of um, info there for those not living around me. Uh, Colbert County is, um, that's where Muscle Shoals is. Uh, Tuscumbia is there. That's where Helen Keller grew up. Um, but it is just south of the Tennessee River in the northwest corner of Alabama. I grew up just north of the Tennessee River in the northwest corner of Alabama. So it's kind of my area. Um, this was the second attempt, I guess attempt. I don't attempt's a kind of a strong word for this penalty to get carried through. In November of 2022, they could not find a decent vein. So, um, doctor went to Auburn. Suitable vein. (laughs) I don't. I don't know about that. They work (laughs) mostly on animals down there, but that's a different thing. But I know uh, we're talking about executing. Yeah, we tried to talk about someone getting executed, Terry, and I know it's a serious thing, but I mean, they that doctor obviously went to Auburn. Obviously went to Auburn. Well, I don't know. I, I will say this. Uh, when it, when you're talking about doctors and death, 
that Auburn, and I don't know the details of this, but I do know the University of North Alabama had an old lion at one point, and they sent him down for surgery, and he died in Auburn getting surgery. So death hasn't been a problem, okay? Anyway. But he was supposed to live. Yeah, so let's like, get this guy was supposed right. to die, and somehow he lived. So obviously it was well, an Auburn. It was an Auburn fan that was the doctor. Well, whatever happened this time, I guess it worked. But uh, you know, this guy, he was one of um, I guess a little bit about the story. We didn't dig into the story a whole lot. We just wanted to talk about it because it was the first time this method of execution was used. Everybody's got their own opinion on that. We're not going to get real political on it. But um, but he was hired by the husband of the lady that got murdered and who like committed suicide if i'm not mistaken murder. yeah once once they started getting caught he committed suicide and he was a preacher so you know like, yeah the husband's like, a preacher he committed suicide after care. employing these guys to kill his wife and the accomplice died he got executed in 2010 did i remember that correctly sir it's not in well the notes. before I this man it. you didn't put that in the notes Oh, well, I can look it up, but I'm pretty sure he well, died fine. in like 2010. Because it was odd that he would die. He would have died so um, much sooner, you know, by death row is what I'm getting at in Alabama. He would have died so much sooner than this man um, as part of yeah, this kind of weird. Some people stay on there a really long time. I don't know. Yeah. And as part of this. Duh, so let's not get it twisted. Obviously, anybody that knows, I mean, pays attention about the death row thing. If I'm not mistaken, 37 or 38 states still condone the death penalty, along with the federal government, for those of you playing along at home. Um, if if you want to expedite all of your uh, appeals, commit a federal crime that'll get you on federal death row, and they'll have your ass executed rather quickly. Uh, 1988 to 2024, though, it's almost like we go out of our way. We're going to sentence you to death in this country, but then we're going to we're going to do everything we can to not kill you, including not finding a vein while we're giving you the lethal injection. So, to Terry's point, the novel thing about this and one of the reasons it's newsworthy, yes, it's newsworthy because we're still executing people in 2023 in this country. Think of that what you will. We'll leave it right there. I think I probably told y'all what I think of it. But, or 2024, excuse me. But it's 2024, we're still executing people in this country. Um, but now, instead of using the lethal injection because the drugs are hard to find, at least that's the rationale, Oklahoma, Alabama, Mississippi have all decided that nitrogen hypoxia, which which is just essentially suffocation, for the lack of a better... I mean, there's no oxygen in the body to to so you die of a, quote, um, what word is not civil, uh, yeah, uh, whatever it is, it, it you die of a humane, humane, thank you, sir. It's a humane, humane way yeah. to, it's a humane way to strangle somebody or to suffocate somebody, which really sounds odd when we're sitting here talking about it. Um, I don't know, but I, nitrogen hypoxia is the cause of death. One thing I didn't probably note, oh, you got it here, Terry. It did take 22 minutes for him to die from the time they put the mask over his face 
until he took his last breath. Apparently, the last couple minutes, there was involuntary reactions in his body. Um, they thought that he would go to sleep fairly quick, and apparently he was conscious for a lot of the first half of this execution. So, before his breathing became labored and the nitrogen started to outweigh the oxygen, which Terry's a nerd, but I actually remember this from science class. I think nitrogen weighs more, if I'm not mistaken. So the whole replacement thing they're doing, really, they're just killing the cells and he dies. He doesn't have any cells to take oxygen to the blood. So um, novel. I do have a, I do normally have some pretty nerdy things on hand, but I don't have my periodic table. You know, you, so you're fucking fired as the producer of this show. You really need to do better for our fans. That's all I'm saying. You're fired. I'll make sure I'm next take, time we have a story. I'm taking like, over. I'm I'm taking over. Which means it'll be absolute chaos. Because I was 30 minutes late you tonight. <laughs> 30 an hour. Anyway. So we I talk about it being 30. humane. And it makes me think. It, you know. And I know this is. This is a movie. But one of my favorite movies is Green Mile. And it makes me think of that scene. Where that. That jerk kid. Didn't uh, wet the sponge. Have you seen Green Mile? Oh, yeah, and they lit his ass on fire. Great Stephen King book, oh, yeah. by the way. Yeah, yeah, it's great a, Stephen yeah, King book. It's a great movie, too. And I'm, ti I'm tired, boss. I'm tired of people being mean to each other. But we decided to lead off tonight's show about a murder for hire and a subsequent execution. One thing we'll say about this is this is probably not the last time folks will hear, it, hear this because it did go before the Supreme Court. The federal court denied the last appeal. The three, three quote, liberal justices on the court, use that word however you want. Um, they are not constitutional conservatives. They, they, they don't believe in the written word of the Constitution. They believe it changes. That's all I mean when I say liberal justices. They, they uh, dissented to the decision to uphold the, the, the execution. And I believe it was Sotomayor appointed by uh, uh, Obama back in his second term that uh, said, you know, we gave you guys had a chance to kill him one time. What makes it right to try to kill him a second time? Well, you didn't get the job done. If you're the state of Alabama, Auburn doctors and all, or, or let's face it, even if they were out of Tuscaloosa. But the other thing is, is, you know, they're, they're saying it's experimental. It's this, it's that it's something else. That's why we had so many details about the way the execution went down. Simply because it's the first time. Did you say in the world, Terry? Because I knew it was the country. In but the you world, said the yeah. And the, first doctors, time in the, world. the doctors go to UAB just to let you know. Well, damn, I'll let Auburn off the hook then. <laughs> the so. lawyers go to Tuscaloosa. The doctors go to UAB. And the good and, engineers go to Auburn. But, you know, we'll, we'll let that debate carry on. Okay, I about, I about asked you, but now that makes perfect sense. Uh, war damn eagle. But anyway, um, <laughs> but yeah, boss, I'm tired. I'm tired of talking about murder. How about how about a little positivity? Let's talk about what happens if you scorn your bride in California. <laughs> so Why don't you tell uh, me about it? this is a story I found because I love weddings. Shout out to our Baltimore crowd. If you're listening, we will be there the last weekend of April and we're going to have a great time. But a California bride to be. Donated her non-refundable reception. 
food, catering, venue, music, everything, valued at $15,000 to a nonprofit organization because she had found something out about her fiance. Now, the story didn't go into detail about what that was, but this thing had been paid for for months. And two weeks before the wedding, I think I've got that right. Two weeks before the wedding, yeah, she weeks. she finds something out about the, the bride to, or the groom-to-be, and they call the wedding off. And so she donated this to a nonprofit organization, Parents Helping Parents, PHP, so that they could host a dance for people with special needs. Now, the dance is, uh, I believe they called it in the article, Terry, 0 to 99. So it's not specifically one age group or anything like that, but it's people that need assistance. Um she called the director two weeks before the event, spread the word, 100 RSVPs. They party at Eagle Ridge Golf Club, included dinner, dessert, DJ booth, photo booth, and a fireworks display, all in the amount of $15,000. And apparently, in in the uh, land of the nuts and fruits, you still can shoot fireworks off for a wedding. I thought they would have banned that, like, diesel fluid but or fuel, but uh, anyway... Very nice thing this woman did, I guess, turning a positive thing out of probably real heartbreak and tragedy when you think about it. I mean, I get that, well, what the hell are we supposed to do with it? But, you know, from our point of view, Terry, we both thought it was a great thing she did by giving those yeah. special needs kids a night or people a night they won't forget because, you know, based on where it was and what it cost. This wasn't this wasn't, you know, Chick-fil-A chicken fingers or McDonald's chicky nuggets or you know, and they had a real DJ. It wasn't you putting the Apple music on and just hit and play. Um, so they there was some time, effort, and energy spent on this and uh good for her. I don't know what you think about it. You've been married, I never have been, but um fifteen thousand dollars for a fucking wedding reception? I hear the dresses cost that much these days. Good thing that'll never happen wow. with me. Uh, I mean, but I suppose 15 I've never grand eaten anything at a wedding reception. Uh, I had a big plate of food and I got pulled away to do stuff and I never returned to it. And it was just. Well, come, come the end of April, we're going to fix that. Yeah. But, you know, you might not be hungry. I'll be hungry. I'm always hungry. But yeah, it doesn't say what the dinner is or what the dessert is or anything. But like, you yeah, know, I like sure details and nice. we don't have them. So we're really practicing with this broad strokes thing, guys. What we do well, know but, is the wedding reception in California valued at $15,000. <laughs> well, one thing it did say that the bride, her family had been impacted and had been helped out by this group in the past it wasn't just some random thing so they had done something positive for somebody in her family so so that was good so you know we want to you know we're going to go ahead and warn you today's show is going to be negative story positive story we're about to get pretty negative again but we'll, we'll but before we do positive at the end we promise but before we do I want to just say something, and I may say this at the end, too, because we've got someone we'd like to highlight. Not Terry, folks. We're not doing the easy return after he fucking embarrassed me last week. Um, or tried to. 
I am usually unfuckwithable, but that was almost embarrassing. Uh, and I know he meant it, and I appreciate it. And I told him as much, and I said it again. But um, I'm really up for all these organizations, Terry. Like this Parents Helping Parents, I'm, I'm good with it. They need all the help they can get in today's world. You trying to do the right things by your children, and then your children have difficulties that make it very difficult to be a normal, quote, normal person in this world. And who the fuck knows what that even means these days, you know? Um, but there, we have a lot of people in our circle, you and I, whether it's our inner circle or the circle, you know, on the periphery that do a lot of really good work with disadvantaged people, people with autism, people with mental illness. Um, I mean, it's a, it's a fantastic group of people that we surround ourselves with. And I, I'm not the person that's going to donate my time, effort, or energy to that necessarily. I'm I'm very good with special needs folks. I can't do it every day, though. I don't have the emotional capacity because it's draining. But I have the money to help and donate. And that's, you know, I hate to be that guy. But you need those, too, you know, where you can – you got to have people to be able to fund some of this stuff. So, um yeah. That that's where I prefer to find myself when we're talking about the charitable causes like this, because it's so hard watching, for instance, somebody with Down syndrome or a nonverbal autistic person try to cope with the world we live in today. Very difficult. Very, very difficult. But it's not it doesn't have to be that kind of thing that kind of charity i mean those are great things and i'm glad we know people that are out there doing those things and we're able to donate um, saint jude has always been one thing i like to donate to um for multiple reasons um but even and there were a couple of things yesterday that hit like um you know not to go into detail of people's business but like um Somebody on my Facebook timeline, their spouse just died out of the blue, you know, and it's like, man, you don't know when that's going to happen, but uh, sometimes charity is being there for those people when things hit them out of nowhere like that. And I believe that they're in decent shape. It, It wasn't like a financial kind of thing. But you just lost something you thought you would have today. And uh, that's a big impact. And, um, you know, I appreciate, I know, and I posted something that's like, I've been that person that needed that. And a lot of you people have been there for me. And I hope you know I'm there for you. So that's what I kind of say to all my friends that are listening. Hopefully you have friends like that and you can be that way with your friends. You know, we say a lot of, um, fuck Ohio State and that kind of stuff. But um, overall, we want to be positive. <laughs> but that's that's a horrible way I to lead into the next thing. I don't know what he's talking about when he says fuck Ohio State isn't positive. <laughs> 133 other teams in the country <laughs> think fuck Ohio State's positive, Terry, and their <laughs> fan bases. So I, I don't, you know, we're going to get it in. I'm going to get my shit in. But no, before we move on, because it's one well, of those take things. Take a deep you, breath because it, it's almost time to unload. Before you, yeah, we take, we just 
you know, it's those things we take for granted. So my father came to visit this past weekend. He's a 69-year-old cancer survivor with 50% of his heart working. He can't walk 100 yards. He uh, pulls into my neighborhood and sideswipes my neighbor's car. That's how the weekend started. He gets out of the car and he falls down and he can't get up. And my sister who was with him, my middle sister, can't help him off the ground. My nephew who saw the thing because it was right around the corner um, went to help him. Couldn't get him off the ground. He was dead weight. They had to call the ambulance. Ambulance runs their test, blah, blah, blah. He spends four hours up in the emergency room, yada, yada. He's walking with a walker. He's, you know, it's like taking care of a child because he's so needy. He goes home Monday, and on his way home, either he sideswiped or was sideswiped by a semi-truck on I-20. I don't know how he's alive, because I think personally he dozed off at the wheel or wasn't paying attention, and he ran into the truck. Well, now he's decided that he's not going to drive anymore. He did that on his own. He said he's not going to drive anymore. He lives four and a half hours from me in Augusta, Georgia, or outside of Augusta, Georgia. I got two sisters that live down there that help take care of him. Um, They do as much as they possibly can for him. But this is the beginning of the end. And I thought this seven years ago that it was the beginning of the end when he had that terrible cancer diagnosis. But this man forfeiting his driver's license is the beginning of the end. So when you talk about seeing a friend on Facebook who's some somebody died, their spouse died unexpectedly. And then I see this man that I love so much deteriorating who who he doesn't even listen to the show. He's not going to hear this. Um, I never, ever would have called him weak up till about a decade ago when he had a, a lung infection and he looked weak. He just looked frail. His color was terrible. He, he had no strength, whatever. But he is like looking after a child these days because you, you have to sit there and hold your breath every time he stands up to move. Like, is he going to fall down? Is he going to hurt himself? You know, um, and he, he tells my sister, he says, yeah, I smoke like 15 cigarettes a day. I looked at her after he left. I said, bullshit. I said, I used to be a smoker, and I promise. He's smoking three packs of cigarettes a day. He's got a rattle in his lungs the doctor supposedly doesn't hear that I can hear with my fucking headphones on and the music blare. He coughs and coughs and coughs. And he did that same thing when he had small cell lung cancer. So... I say all that to say this. I don't want anybody to feel sorry for me. Because this is the positive side of it and what you're talking about, Terry. In 2015, he was diagnosed with stage 2 small cell lung cancer six weeks after my mother died. Unexpectedly, in their home of 30 years, in their bed. And he decided that he was going to fight the cancer. 
the week he started chemo, he had a heart attack that killed 50% of his heart muscle. I thought he was a goner. I got eight and a half years with him that we weren't supposed to have. Nobody thought we were going to have it. His heart function was down below 20%. Nobody thought. And he, and obviously being a smoker and a cancer survivor, he's not a heart transplant candidate, you know. Um, there, I said, you know. See, I told you I was going to do it. But, and I, I break this up a little bit of levity, but all I'm saying to people is, you know, and I don't get real in touch with my personal side or emotional to people out in public, but that's what this platform is for. Be kind to those in your life. Be kind to the ones that matter most. I have a very tight group of people uh, that are friends that are closer to me than most of my family members. Terry happens to be one of them. One of my family members, I'm expecting to not make it through 2024. And he's the reason I am who I am. My work ethic, the approach to business, the way I treat people, it's because of him. But I'm not going to cry about it. Because I got, in my opinion, eight and a half years with him that I wasn't supposed to have. So while this is completely different than what we were talking about, I just want people to be positive about it and take it. Don't take it for granted. Like you've got an 80 year old mother, Terry, that you adore, you know, or not. Maybe she's not quite 80, but um, you adore her. She'll never listen. She'll or your dad. Okay. I knew somebody was 80, but. Terry's mama will never listen to this show, and I'm the reason why. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't say that. But, but what we say, in all joking, Terry loves his parents, you know, and treasures spending time with them. And even though we get to pick on his dad a little bit when he says, hey, look, I set the remote for you, so all you got to do is hit the button, and you go back to the other game, you know? That shit He's my dad would do. For me, man. Yeah, he they yeah. think they're doing you a favor. They think it's fantastic, you know. And I and look, it's real easy to shrug your shoulders and be like, oh, that's stupid or whatever. But there's gonna be a time when they're not here to do that for you. And right. that's that's what I'm that's trying to say. Good. Put it in perspective, it's one folks. Of those things I need to call more often. You know, need to keep up with what's going on over there more often. So uh, maybe I, when you influence somebody to call their mama tomorrow. I know I got to be more patient yeah. with mine, with my father. I mean, I, I, I yeah. do. I, I know, I know I have to be more patient because again, this is an independent man who all of the sudden isn't. And that's a, that's a big deal. Like that's a lifestyle change, you know? And, uh, I said, you know, again, um, but anyway, I I wanted to kind of piggyback what Terry was saying because inside your family, outside your family, in your circle, whatever, you can do a lot by just being there. Just being there. Don't have to be paid That's for right. it. Don't have to donate money. Don't you know? It doesn't have to be a formal organization or anything. But you just. Just being there. Just be a good person to the good people around you. And, well, you know, that's really kind of a real crappy intro to the next thing. Well, because the next person. person are we? Well, what are we, alleged, what are we calling al this? allegedly, he's not a good person. Um, because he's not been convicted of anything. But 
I am 100% in the public opinion that he did it. And this is the asshole of the week, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Yeah, we need some of that. Fart noise or something. Yeah, Yeah. there will be every week, maybe, I guess, the asshole of the week. Because we have have another thing to balance it out. Um, Well, that one might be hard to find. Because I don't want to just label somebody that because we haven't found anybody. You know what I'm well, saying? <laughs> and, and Terry told me that I can't talk politics, so I can't just start throwing darts at the Washington board and, you know, for no reason or rhyme, just, just name somebody the asshole of the week. But Vincent Kennedy Did McMahon. Did you say who it was? Okay, there we go. The owner and we're of not the gonna WWE. Get, we're not going to dig in too much on this. I mean, because you, you can get a, some information out there and some of it's pretty gross. I said 64 pages. It's actually 68-page lawsuit. Uh, broken NDA on a former employee. Failed to pay an installment. There's other employees and executives of WWE. Uh, WWE now owned by TKO, the parent company, of course, of the UFC. We are talking about a multi-billion dollar business with a man at the helm of it, who was, well, I mean, we'll say it, Terry, without all the graphic sex acts, obvious, this employee has sued that she felt compelled to have sexual relations with the chairman of the board of the WWE, and that she was not allowed to say no, she didn't feel she was allowed to say no, He apparently gifted her this and that and something else. There was a $3 million agreement for an NDA when they fired her from the company. But we're talking about him sharing photos of her, um, degrading acts that include bodily functions. Leave it there. You all can figure out whatever that means. Um, Having other employees join him having sex with this woman. Uh, The most... She had her own private locker room for easy access, allegedly. Yeah, and supposedly sexual things were going on while other employees were in the building. And and so the thing is, where there's smoke, there's fire. Historically, and this isn't in the notes, but it's I've listened to enough podcasts and people's point of view on this, that Vince McMahon was accused by J.J. Dillon, who worked for him as part of the inner circle, of raping a female referee in the WWE clear back in the 90s. Or maybe even the late 80s, Terry. I don't remember exactly. Um, Then there was the Ring Boy scandal, where there was supposedly sexual abuse going on of young boys um, by Garvin. Not Patterson, but Garvin, they said anyway. Patterson. Pat Patterson, the man we think so highly of, uh, from a creative finish standpoint, a guy who put wrestling matches together that'll go down in the annals of history as some of the greatest ever, allegedly involved in these sexual harassment suits as a gay man. Vince McMahon involved in these suits. I think they had totaled, TKO said last year in their in their report to their stockholders, that Vince McMahon was indeed a liability to their company. They knew he had problems, but 
this is a man who paid twenty million dollars out of his own out of his own wallet to shut people up, to to not engage, and to not allow people to find out what a horrific scumbag he really was. Um, and supposedly, this the catalyst of this, based on the NDA, was he missed payments. Yeah, quit paying her, and, and this is a talking, billionaire. And he was he owed her like three million total, and he missed payments. Yep. Or we and the, may not know any of this. And the thing is, legally, once he broke the NDA with non-payment, the contract's null and void. Yeah, I mean, con- I don't, I'm not Michael Dawkins, who we think a lot about a lot of as a as a uh, attorney that's connected to our wrestling group, um, but. I could tell you that because I'm in the car business, and if you sign a law contract, Terry, to make 72 monthly payments on a car for $411.36 a month beginning the 15th of the month, the bank's going to expect you to make those payments. And when you don't make that payment, it's their right because you broke the contract to come take the car. Um, Yeah. And Terry would never do that, but I'm just using him as an example because he's here. And we see it in my business all the time. People say, well, I turned that car in, the motor broke or whatever. But you didn't finish the contract. You didn't meet your obligations. It's considered a repossession. So anyway, um, that means the contract's broken and null and void. Same thing with an NDA. That's a very easy way to break that NDA because she can prove he owed her money and he didn't pay it. Now, Johnny Laurinaitis has been implicated. Um, We obviously know Stephanie knew something because she came and she went. The minute Vince was back, she was gone. Um, And I know that I'm not connected to their inner circle, but this is me as a wrestling fan. So anybody listening to this that thinks, oh, Andrew's got all this dirt, I don't. This is just observations. So Johnny Laurinaitis was named in this suit. And he's been fired from WWE in 2022. Vince didn't get fired, but he did. But you can't fire the majority shareholder of the company and the chairman of the board at the time. But now, because he's resigned from TKO and he's no longer the majority shareholder, he can't load the board with people that he wants and he can't get himself back in the position to be the head of the company. So Vince McMahon is done with the WWE. This is a man for all of you wrestling fans out there that brought you Hulkamania, WrestleMania, characters like the Macho Man Randy Savage, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat in that incarnation, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, the Million Dollar Man, Jake the Snake Roberts, all those wrestlers you grew up on, Demolition as an example of a tag team, um, some guy named Mr. Perfect who was considered one of the best wrestlers in the world, Bret Hart. This is a guy who made pay-per-view a big business. He knew to bring in sports entertainment, it was a spectacle. Conrad Thompson, the, you know, Ric Flair's son-in-law, proprietor of so many podcasts, calls him the Walt Disney of professional wrestling. It was his universe, and he was allowed to play in it. Here's what I think, though. This is, this is me, observation, not accusing anybody. I think TKO cleans house. I don't know that Triple H survives. I don't know that uh, Bruce Pritchard survives. And the reason I say that is there are people connected to Vince McMahon. 
it has nothing to do with whether they knew or they didn't know. But he was your boss for a very long time. And I think what we're going to see is Vince ultimately is going to be the reason for so many downfalls in that company. And I think that, you know, there is a trafficking charge because he's passing this woman off to other people and money is exchanged and all this other stuff. Um, this could get criminal. This isn't just a civil suit. This has criminal potential. And uh, reading the things I read about Vince McMahon and what he did. Now, of course, these are accusations. There are people, and I raised the issue myself. I don't have a problem saying it on this show. Jerry McDivitt or whoever Vince's legal team is, is going to paint this woman as somebody who was seeking money and probably call her worse than that. Um, but they're going to paint her that way because she had dates, times, acts, people involved, the thing, things they did, the pictures they took, the things they changed, they sent to people. This is not a good story, guys. This is not a charitable organization donating, spending time with a dying parent, um, passing condolences on to people that you love, doing something, just a nice gesture for people. This is this is humanity at its darkest. And, you know, listening to 83 Weeks, Eric and Conrad called it evil, or Eric did anyway, that, that if any of it's true, it's evil. Um, I would agree with that. I mean, this is a level of... I don't know what the word is, Terry. You can, and I mean, you can jump in here anytime. I'm rambling at this point, but, <laughs> but Vince's, well, Vince's. Why don't we do this? I, I think, I think obviously there's a lot of smoke and there's been a lot of smoke for decades. And when you say, you know, there's no proof of something and things are alleged, well, there's a lot being alleged by a lot of people. So, I think we know um, some of it's true, unless, but I don't know what all parts are true. So I'm not the one to decide that. But, you know, what these acts are, whether Vince McMahon did these things or not, these are not the things that we support. Obviously, our stance is that. We just had a big conversation before this about loving people and supporting people. Um, not doing shit like this to people. And it, it, it's sick. It is demented. It is... Um, I, I just can't fathom being that way to another person. And um, I think it's about time we start talking about a positive thing that happened in the last week in the WWE. And that's the Royal Rumble. You know, created by talk Pat about Patterson and Vince yeah. McMahon. <laughs> so all <laughs> the McMahons are gone. Triple H still sits there. He's running things. Um, he's doing what he can for Royal Rumble week, trying to make it a positive event. And um, I got to tell you what, that women's Royal Rumble match that started this thing off was was pretty good. 
Really good pace setter, I thought. Um, so I thought it was fantastic storytelling. Yeah. And I mean, we can break it down a little bit, Terry, if people, do, you know, we want to talk about it. Um, because there's a few things I'd like to talk about that happened in there, but from the standpoint of kicking the event off, for the folks that don't know, the Royal Rumble, it's uh, every 90 seconds, another person enters, it's a Battle Royal-style match, um, but the difference is that all 30 don't start, you have one-on-one, and then you add an, add an opponent every 30, or every 90 seconds, whoever gets eliminated last wins the Rumble, or whoever's standing at the end of it. Over the top rope, two feet touch the floor, only way to win the Rumble or to eliminate opponent. And again, last person standing wins. So the women kicked it off, and Terry's going to tell us about it. But yeah, the women kicked it off, and as far as I'm concerned, this was the match of the night. I thought of the four matches, this was the one that was the best, the be- the most well done. It was the best match. Yeah, it was, and Bailey ended up winning it. She started third, so she lasted an hour and three minutes, eliminated seven people. Um, Nia Jax was out there throwing people out over and over again. Um, let's see, where did she start? She 19. For that. She started 19th and lasted she, for a while. And she was my that. girl in so, the pool, and uh, she didn't win. So that's how I knew she started 19th. I'm not an idiot savant, even though I'm an idiot. So there it is. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, Jordan Grace, uh, the the uh, TNA, what's it, Knockouts Champion. The Knockouts um, Champion was up. number five, right? Number five or six? Number Came in fifth. And I don't, if you don't know her, and if you're not a wrestling fan, you probably don't. And some people, if they're just paying attention to WWE, yeah, know wouldn't her. know her. Yeah, they wouldn't know she her. But is she is impressive. So good. Yeah. And she came in and she was she's big, she's strong, she can move, and she did all of that. And she really showed up well, I thought. I thought she had a good I thought she had a really good showing, but we obviously knew she wasn't gonna win because it's kind of that special attraction thing. Um talking about Jordan Grace, no, Naomi came back to WWE now that Vince is gone. Um, that's, right. uh, for those, for those of you that don't know, that's Jimmy Uso's wife. Um, and, uh, so nice to see that they'll be back on the road together again. Uh, her and, uh, Jordan Grace immediately hug and then start throwing hands because Trinity, as she was known in, in TNA, dropped the title to Jordan Grace on her way out. Uh, before coming back to the WWE. So it's kind of interesting, Terry, to see that we might have a TNA-WWE relationship with Scott Demore and uh, obviously now Triple H. I don't think Triple H is opposed to working with anybody, honestly, because he's a wrestler. There was an interesting quote from Triple H. He, in the press conference, somebody asked him about it, and he said... We're not going to talk about what kind of door they came through because that's kind of silly. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, you know, like I said, Triple H is going to take his shots at Tony Khan. But, you know, I, yeah. honestly, <laughs> if you're WWE, since Triple H has taken over the creative and the direction of the company, you're really just punching down. Talking about AEW. WWE is right. in a class of its own. Um, one of the things we didn't mention about this Royal Rumble, it was in Tampa. And they put 49,000 people in that stadium in January in Tampa, Florida for the Royal Rumble. 
So they're not hurting. And to have the marketing machine and the business acumen of TKO behind them now, I mean, nobody ever thought anybody at the top of WWE was stupid. But these are people inside the TKO organization. And someone like Dana White, who took a losing proposition. What was UFC losing? I think it was something stupid, $100 million a year or something like that. And he and the two brothers bought the organization and ended up, you know, the the ultimate fighter back in 2005, Forrest Griffin, Stefan Bonner, that fight ends up on free TV on Spike. And then they took off with it. And let's face it, the UFC is a marketing machine. Every three weeks, it's a pay-per-view. They're getting $70 a draw. They're selling out wherever they're fighting, you know, um, during COVID because Dana White is who he is. And I'll leave it right there. I bet you he doesn't vote for Joe Biden. Let me just put it that way. Uh, They went over to a foreign country and held their events there because of the COVID protocol. So they did a lot in Abu Dhabi because of a protocol of COVID. What I'm saying is they have a huge marketing machine. They know what to do. Um, This Philadelphia Royal Rumble coming up, they're going to be hanging from the rafters both nights. They're going to sell it out. It's there's no doubt there. Back to the Women's Royal Rumble, one of the things I did like is WWE did not get impatient with Jade Cargill. They gave her her time to train. She came out. She looked very impressive. Picked up Nia Jax, you know, threw her over the top rope. Gets down to the final four with Becky and uh, Liv Morgan and, of course, Bailey, the winner. I was really excited Mm -hmm. to see Jade. Jade. Oh, I said Becky. I think it was actually... uh, I don't think it was Becky, was it? It was uh, Becky got eliminated earlier. I think it was actually um, Bianca. Maybe they were in the final four. Either way, it doesn't really matter. Um, because Bailey wins, and I honestly, I honestly think the right woman won Terry because Bailey has been a great employee for a very, very long time. And who the hell wants to have multiple winners all the time on a? Uh, on an event like the Royal Rumble, you know, and and I know when we talk about the men's Rumble, we're going to talk about a repeat winner, but that's my point. I mean, did we really want to see Bianca win it again? Did you want to see Becky win it again? Or did we really want to see someone so, new? The, the interesting thing coming in was there were only four people that the creative focused on, and that was Bailey, Bianca, Becky, and Nia. And then it was everybody else in the Royal Rumble. And there were no legend surprises this year, which also you can talk yeah, about. Yeah, that's kind of going away more. But uh, so if I'm reading this right and if I remember it correctly, there was no real final four. There was a final three because the final five included Tiffany Stratton and um, and Bianca. Bian- and Bianca, because he pulled her the off the apron and he kicked her. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And then both yeah. of them got eliminated at the same time, and that left with three. But, you know, Naomi lasted over an hour herself, an hour and two minutes for Naomi. She came in second and lasted and got – she was a 25th elimination. So they showcased her a lot. Bianca was in there for 47 minutes. Um, yep. Some pretty impressive showings. Becky, I think 20 minutes for Becky or so, 22 um, you know, so there were a few that stayed in there a while, but I thought it was very entertaining. Um, 
you know, sometimes it's hard and, you know, we'll get into this a little deeper later, but it's hard to come up with a new creative finish all the time, twice a year for the Royal Rumble. Yeah, especially and, now that you have um, men and women. Yeah, twice twice for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Right, and then, yeah, you so, know. So. Go ahead. <laughs> Silence. <laughs> I don't know. Riveting but, um, audio. Yeah, so that was pretty impressive. And I, <laughs> I thought. <laughs> and I thought, you know, I thought that was probably the best match of the night if I had to rank them. Um, but, you know, after that. Hold we on. Ended up Before singing. you go there, hold on, hold on. Because this is positive. For those of you that watch wrestling, or maybe you haven't watched wrestling for a while, um, these women hold their own. This isn't the divas. This isn't the the lingerie matches, three minutes long, just so you can see some tits and ass. TNA, not Andrew and Terry, or Terry and Andrew. Um, but the because uh, I ain't getting naked for any of you. All right, let's just put it out there right now. No, not happening. Uh, Terry might, w- under the right circumstances, if bourbon is involved, but um, or Long Island iced teas. But <laughs> sorry, Terry, I'm telling all your secrets. But um, the <laughs> women's falsehoods. Well, as long as I believe it, that's all that matters. Be a be a George Costanza. Carry on, sir. Yeah, me and George Costanza. And you don't let the truth get in the way of a good story, sir. But my point about the Women's Rumble is this isn't the Moolah and Mae Young days. This isn't even the Sherry Martell and and, uh, Medusa days. You're talking about some really talented, really athletic women. And yes, they all look good. Every single one of them. Beautiful women. Um, But... When, for instance, Tiffany Stratton grabbed Bianca Belair's weave and pulled her, you know, like it's a climbing rope, and Bianca is holding on to the outside of the top rope, and, I mean, the strength that takes to hold another person, Tiffany holding, you know, to get the spot right, that's impressive. That's incredible strength. Of, that these women have so these are serious athletes these aren't eye candy anymore are they beautiful are they gorgeous of course because they're hollywood superstars but these are these are uh very talented very athletic women um that you know take go go watch them they wrestle as well if not better than the men do um and as far as WWE versus AEW, because I am that guy, and I will do my best Jim Cornette imitation, AEW doesn't hold a damn candle to the WWE right now. That women's division in WWE is stacked. And one thing you can say about it, Terry, positively, is Triple H had the vision to build a women's division. Stephanie McMahon had the vision to build a women's division. It's not a divas division. It's not about seeing naked women on television every Monday and Friday. This is women that can compete, that can wrestle, that can, you know, they're athletic. They put on a hell of a show. And let's face it, they get paid big money now. You don't think that the Becky Lynch's and the Charlotte Flair's and the, and the Sasha's and the 
when she goes back and the uh, uh, Bailey's and the rest of them, you don't think that they demand premium money? I guarantee you they do. Because they're as much of a draw now as the men are. That was my point. They're as much of a draw as the men. So, anyway. So now, as good as we thought of that one, you know, in a vacuum, this four-way match with Roman Reigns, L.A. Knight, Randy Orton, and A.J. Styles is probably good. Time out. But. What did you think about it going on second? I thought it needed to be second because everybody in the world knew what was about to happen. Okay. You wanted to get it out of the way. Yeah, because, I mean, uh, that's the thing. It's like, okay, great. Uh, So, this is the Royal Rumble. Roman is not losing the title at the Royal Rumble. And somebody in his family is going to interfere, and he's going to be beat, and then he's going to end up winning. Okay. I mean, we knew that was going to happen. I mean, no surprises. And I understand that heels cheat to win over and over again and hold their title, but I think this has just lasted too long. And it's yeah, really you're time in that, for that to change. You're in that position, and here's the thing. They heat Cody up, and they do it right. They can pass that torch in Philly. Um, I know there's speculation he could still face off against Seth Rollins. I think the money match is Cody and Roman. I think Cody is a big enough baby face that I don't think he's John Cena. Don't get me wrong. Let's not get it twisted. He's not Stone Cold. He's not John Cena. He's not The Rock. Um, But he's big. He's huge. And he can wrestle. And he can be the believable guy that finally slays the head of the table. Whereas, um, as much as we love Sami Zayn in Montreal last year, There was no way he was walking out of Montreal with the title. Even though the Bell Center went absolutely nuts for him, there's no way he was leaving without the title. Or with the title. But, to your point, Solo gets involved again. We see more interference. Um, A great finish, really, in terms of the actual in-ring wrestling. But how many times is Solo or Jimmy going to insert themselves in the match and then that's what we're going to we're going to focus on, you know, so I agree with you. It's, it's, um, you know, and I, I know that I'm an old school horseman fan. And, uh, Mm -hmm. I think most of our listeners know that picked up on that, you know, being the R and research guy, but the, the deal with the horsemen is they did the same thing and it did get tired and it did get old too. You know, the NWO, the beat down at the end of the show or whatever, every single Monday. Oh, that definitely it, got tired. It gets, you, could, yeah. you could look at the clock and it'd be about 9.52, knowing the show goes off at 10 o'clock off the air. And you knew that the NWO was running down to beat up whoever was in the ring that wasn't in the NWO. You know, um, yeah. the horsemen saved Flair so many times for the title and all that stuff. It does get tired and it does get old. The difference is... The horsemen were not broadcast on television and the internet the same way that that even the NWO and now, of course, uh, the bloodline have been. I don't think they know how to finish the story. 
no pun intended for Mr. Cody Rhodes, but um, I think they have to finish the story. The bloodline story, not Cody's story, the bloodline story, they need to button it up. Because, you know, we had this really weird thing where the Usos turned on Roman, and then Jimmy turns back on Jay, and now, you you know, you see that whole that whole thing and i know we're going to get to a fun part of the the men's royal rumble talking about jimmy and jay that you like um throwback Mm -hmm. to the old demolition days but the little bit bit, i mean it was for a minute the difference is they weren't on the exact same team but um right yeah they've got after a three and a half year run they got to wrap up the bloodline story they just they just have to they've got to figure a way to to get Roman out of the equation for a little while and then heat him back up, you know, give Cody a few challengers or whatever. He's good though. I mean, it's not a him go away kind of thing. It's just, I think they're out of ideas. They're out of ideas. They're out of angles. They're out of twists and turns, you know, that's Um, it. It's like when, you know, when Hogan kept beating these big fat guys that Bobby Heenan would throw at him, you wanted to watch it. You wanted to see, and maybe it's because I was a kid. I don't know. Right. But you wanted to see how is he going to do it. So you, every time, you know, he starts hulking up and all. So, I mean, I guess there was a little bit of that too. But I don't know. This just seems different. Maybe you're right. Maybe we see him more often, so it's different. But Because um, there's no squash matches anymore. Not really. No. They don't, they don't really wrestle that many matches. Mm-mm. No, like, um, and, and and I don't want to get on a tangent about the other company, but AEW putting that out for the Samoa Joe hook thing. When And obviously the goal was to make hook. Samoa Joe's legit. His career's intact. He's a Hall of Famer. He's the man. But hook is this young kid. I think he's, what, 24 years old or something, 25. He's Taz's kid. Uh, but he's not Taz's kid. His name is Tyler Sinichi, and he's a from what anybody says, a very intelligent, smart, polite person. But he had 28 matches in AEW in the last two years, and he's the number one contender for the title. Terry, when we were watching wrestling as little kids, these guys were running 300 days a year. They were wrestling 300 times a year, if not more than that. Um, Completely different, to your point absolutely different presentation different expectations etc etc um on to the roman thing back on the roman thing hulkamania ran its course january the 23rd 1984 hulkamania was born he beat the iron sheik the most important transitional wrestling champion there ever was and until february 5th 1989 he was the world champion he was professional wrestling uh but people threw hulk up after the warrior run and the you know the savage run they and we tried to go back to hulk vince did and it didn't work it didn't work um so wcw buys hogan's contract or gets hogan to sign rather and guess what they do They bring in guys like Earthquake, who's now Avalanche, and Kevin Sullivan, and the Dungeon of Doom, and the Giant, and the Yeti, and all the... And guess what they're doing, Terry? They're retreading the 1980s. Only the Shark? You say Avalanche. 
Yeah. The shark, the, the avalanche. The yeah. <laughs> but John Tetna. But the the point being, until he turned heel July the 7th, 1996, and joined the NWO, the New World Organization of Wrestling Brother, that was the promo. Um, Because he fucked it up, which is hilarious. Hulk Hogan, the consummate professional, fucked up New World Order. But anyway, <laughs> um, without that turn, they boo Hogan out of the building. People want new, and 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 the thing is, we all have we have all we all have computers in our pockets. We got the X, the Twitter, whatever you want to call it. I'll forever call it Twitter. You got the Instagram, the social media. Check your reels. I sent you plenty today, but um. People see it far more than they ever have. And I just think they're running out of ideas with Roman. Also, it was pretty clear that the Royal Rumble and we'll get there was a two-man race, but I just want to make this point while we're on the World Championship. You got Roman, AJ, Randy, and LA Knight in the match. Mm -hmm. That's four really high-level talent that all of a sudden kind of takes the who's going to win the Rumble thing out of it because I had no problem if L.A. Knight had walked yeah. away with the Rumble. He's been hot, you know? Um, and, of course, Randy but, Orton's I mean, come in the back. Past, and, you know, you think if you got the four-way second, you possibly see one of those guys. And I said the same thing, is that it wasn't uncommon in the past if you were on, the, on in a wrestling match earlier that you would go back into the Rumble because it's the main event of the show. Um, but anyway. That's right. But, but yeah, Roman's the champ. But you know what did he's, leave, he's going to WrestleMania, and I think what happened was uh, the preparator of Prime Energy Drinks wrestled again, didn't he? He did, and that's what I was going to say. As much as I knew what was going to happen in the four-way match, it was really good to see Logan Paul and Kevin Owens. Logan Paul retaining the U.S. championship against Kevin Owens in a very creative way, I thought. You know, similar to things we've seen in the past, but I thought it was good to see that. So, so Kevin Owens, I mean, they had, a, they had a great match. These are two guys that know how to wrestle. They're very athletic. You don't look at Kevin Owens and think that, but he is. He can put on a show. They both can do that. Logan Paul's flying everywhere. You know, this guy comes in after being, you know, some internet fame or whatever, comes in, and um, and he's great. And they had a wonderful match. Um, probably my number two match of the four of the night. And Kevin Owens hits him with some brass knuckles, stupidly keeps him on his hand as he's pinning him. And uh, the ref sees it, and it's a disqualification. And I thought it was great. Yeah, so I really, I, I was okay with the finish. I know there are people that shit on it because it was kind of cheap and easy. But this is what I will say. You don't need to worry about Logan Paul being able to keep up with professionally trained wrestlers. Um, He's obviously put in the work. The guy for celebrity... There's only there's only one guy I think rivals Logan Paul, and that would be Bad Bunny. And I really mean that. Bad Bunny, Logan Paul, 
two of the best celebrities you've ever seen wrestling. And quite frankly, I think Logan Paul's a professional wrestler now. I don't think he's just a celebrity anymore. I think, I mean, he's obviously the United States champion well, for the not. WWE, he's but, definitely. but I mean, he's I think himself there. I think he's pretty much a full-time guy and, uh, Oh shit. How did we miss it? Speaking of speaking of, well, let's get to the men's rumble. Never mind. I have, I have a celebrity, you know, my, one of my heroes is back in the WWE, but, uh, I guess we need to back up first, okay. but yeah, obviously they're setting Logan Paul up real nice. I think, I think that uh, triple H is obviously a big fan of his, but when you have that natural aptitude for the business and you have that athletic ability, I think that really does, you know, favor Logan Paul. I really do. I th- I mean, that's it's there's no reason not to use him. And when you know you're talking about, let's not forget, folks, it's a business. This man owns Prime Energy Drink and Hydration Drinks. It's his baby. It's good. Yeah, it's good. I love them. I I don't drink the energy drinks anymore. Um, kind of like alcohol and cigarettes. I gave them up, but I do drink a prime every night with dinner on this new diet, Terry. We're we're doing lower carbs. I've down several pounds, actually, probably like twenty. But um, the uh, prime is something I can drink because it's got you know one gram of sugar or whatever in it. Um, but the idea of slim jim about boycotting and canceling their sponsorship because of vince mcmahon and then vince is out on his ass you know he resigned bullshit they fired him they that was a safe face because they were going to vote well, his ass slim out slim jim came back slim jim came so back but my point was yeah. the wwe tko whatever you want to call it it's a business so when you've got someone like logan paul the founder of prime you're going to use him. You're going to put him up front. You're going to let him drink his energy drinks on the on the show and all that stuff because ultimately he's going to be a bigger piece of the picture um, from a money standpoint. It's about business. It's about money. And Slim Jim, you can't tell me that that Slim Jim sponsorship, the thought of losing people supporting the WWE and TKO didn't give them cause to say, look, Vince, you're out. Well, I'll resign. I don't want to be fired from my own company. But how fucking good would that have been, someone to sing the na-na-na song to his ass after that 68-page lawsuit, you know? Um, Anyway, Logan Paul, great character, great heel. Love it. Love the old-school booking with the Nucks. Um, Don't have anything bad to say about Logan Paul. I know there are people that want to hate on him, but he is not my Ohio State. I'm, I'm good for it. I like Logan Paul. Did you just notice this late entry into the Royal Rumble discussion that I just made? I did not. You know how I showed you, and you know how I showed you the the thing at the bottom that was showing the topics and all that before the show started. Royal you Rumble, that yeah. I, it didn't say Royal Rumble until just like five seconds ago because I completely forgot about it. We're practicing. Anyway, it's we're okay. getting there. We'll figure yeah. it out. <laughs> Playoffs, but anyway, the, the men's the men's rumble started with the Usos, and like you said, it's kind of like the demolition. But man, when demolition started, that was freaking fantastic because they were the tag team together, and they were just they were just 
beating the crap out of each other. That was so freaking. Oh man, I'm gonna go watch that tonight after we're done. Well, and if you remember, if you remember, it was the eighty. Was it the eighty nine Rumble? I think. Uh, but then Andre came in number three, and before before Uh, Andre comes in, um, they did the whole drawing thing. And Axe is looking at his number. Smash is looking at his number. It's going to be a long night. Tell me about it, brother. And then they end up being number one and two. Plus, for the fans, you got to hear the Demolition theme song twice. Because back then, remember, they didn't play the entrance music. Only entrance number one and two. And the winner got their music played. They didn't play the entrance music for every single entrant back in the day. They do now, but they didn't back then. Here's one thing I wish they would do, a slot change. There is not a single thing different with one and two other than the order they come out in. I wish they would just call them starters. I know it's picky, but if you finish number two, if you go from number two and win, that's just as good as starting at number one and winning. There is absolutely no difference in I love the fact that that just bothers you. Yeah, that's good shit, pal. Anyway, so some of the big names. So Andrade came back. um, Not a surprise. Um, Let's see, who else looked good? Dominic was in there for over 30 minutes. Dirty Dom. Okay, Um, let's talk about Dirty Dom real quick. So R-Truth comes in. And Dirty Dom is wrestling Walter or Gunther, whatever. And and Archer's standing on the apron with the damn tag rope in his hand. It's the Royal Rumble. Oh, we forgot so, to talk R-Truth about the Women's Rumble. So in years past, well, yeah, R-Truth tried to get in the Women's Rumble and he got thrown out. <laughs> but uh, the in years past, he remember you did the ladder spot where he went and got the ladder from under the ring. He throws it in the ring. He climbs the ladder. He looks up and there's nothing there. And then he looks down and I think it was Kane or somebody (laughs) waiting on him, whatever. Um, But this time he goes to the corner. He doesn't get in the ring. Uh, Dom of the judgment day is getting his lunch eaten by old Walter or uh, Gunther, I guess his name is now. But anyway, uh, and so our truth makes him do the tag spot. And then here comes, here comes our truth as John Cena. And hits Gunther with the two shoulder blocks, goes for the five knuckle shuffle and gets kicked in the face. But what a fantastic addition to wrestling our truth has been. Like legitimately. I love Ron Killings. I love watching him work. Um, this is a former NWA champion who apparently doesn't age. And I know it's uh that old uh, little cliche that people love to say black don't crack, but brother. This is a 53-year-old man who looks as good as he did when he was the NWA World Champion in 2003. Yeah, he's in shape so, for sure. I mean, yeah. yeah, and and the thing is is like you know his game these now. Days, though, I mean, he's not Yeah. He's not doing a lot more. I was going to say his game now and you know it too though. Is he tries to crack everybody? Like how many times have you seen the videos where he's He's doing a promo or some nonsense, and he's got Finn Balor over there smirking. Or Damian Priest has to turn his head real fast because he's afraid that you know Ronnie's going to pop him on the camera. But that—that's what I'm talking about. Our truth is so good. He's a little bit of a let up, 
you know, and in a world where Vince McMahon was doing the things Vince McMahon was doing, maybe we need a little more R-Truth. Let's be honest about it. Um, but the uh, other things in the men's rumble, something to point out um, that I noticed. Dom comes in. He's supposedly supposed to eliminate Lesnar. Lesnar was supposed to come in, but it was Breaker. Braun Breaker out of NXT, Rick Steiner's son, real life. Um, mm -hmm. Sounds just like his uncle Scott. But um, allegedly, that was Brock's spot. And they were going to get to Brock versus Gunther at WrestleMania. But because Brock is involved in this sex scandal with McMahon, um, supposedly going to be gifted this woman to have whatever a play date whatever they called it. And that's part of the trafficking right there, you know, is that they're uh -huh. that agreement and stuff, but we're past that part of the show. Um, but it's just something to remember. Brock Lesnar was a draw for this company, huge draw, you know, and Conrad pointed it out. He'd always been able to threaten that he's going to go back to UFC events so he could get what he wanted, you know, multi-million dollar contracts, whatever, limited appearances, whatever it is. Well, now they're the same people. And if Brock did anything yeah. that was in that those court documents that they speculated on to the point where Vince is willing to, quote, gift this girl to him for a weekend so that he'll re-sign a contract, um, yeah, it's bad. That's a bad look. And so, uh, but he wasn't in the spot. They're going to have to do some recreative based on what I've read online. That was supposed to be Lesnar, but instead we got Pat McAfee as well. And that is one of the best parts of the Rumble this year, Terry. Not that he actually did anything, because let's face it, he didn't. But he is now the permanent announcer on Raw, which is leading people to believe he's not going to be back on ESPN, which would be a damn shame, because let's face it, you and I thought game day got so much more interesting when McAfee joined the crowd. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see what he does. I, I would like to see him do all of that, but we'll see. I, I read an article I read an article today there's they, they were speculating he wasn't because he's going to be the permanent announcer on Raw, he's not going to be doing game day anymore. We'll see. I don't know. But I haven't seen ESPN say see that it. he that he was getting replaced, you know. But, yeah, I mean, they were put in a bad spot because somebody had said, I heard last night, I guess, that um, the reason McAfee was included was because Otis was supposed to be in it and his mom died. Well, that might so, be what that one was, yeah. The Braun Breaker spot was supposedly for, for Lesnar, yeah. Yeah. So, so considering that, if there's truth in that, obviously we hate that for Otis um, and his family. Um, but they didn't have much choice. McAfee obviously wasn't there prepared to wrestle, so they had to do something, and then they did what they did. So, you know, in very a vacuum, close to his mama, kind of too. Otis was, yeah, he looked after her, he took care of her financially, he bought her a home, if I'm not mistaken, bought her a car, yeah, you know, used, used his wealth for, for the betterment of his family. Um, because he always said she was his biggest supporter, so honestly. You and I have mamas. Well, mine is deceased, but I mean, I still, you know, obviously think about her often and love her and all that. Um, you know, you do anything for him. So, mm -hmm. 
we we sympathize. But, you know, some of the names here. Otis. We definitely do. Um, some of the names here that lasted a while, other than who I've named already, obviously the Usos, and um, who else did I say? Um, Dominic, but you know Cody lasted a while, obviously because he came, came in, in at 15. fifteen. Yeah. And uh, let's see who else was Gunther. Gunther lasted for thirty minutes, so so that was pretty. In- I wish I would have seen Braun Breaker for longer than five minutes. Um, it would have been nice to see him be able to stay in there for a while. I think that he's definitely got a future of being um, an impactful part of these things, but that hasn't happened quite yet. But it came down to the two that we figured it would come down to. You know, the ending wasn't anything spectacular, but like I said, it's hard to come up with two very good endings to the Royal Rumble match every year. Well, I'd like to personally I'd like to personally thank Drew McIntyre for doing the Lord's work and getting CM Punk out of WrestleMania. I had joked that CM Punk would get hurt before WrestleMania, and it was a joke. Because he can't get in a wrestling ring without hurting himself. Well, sorry, CM. Uh, If I wish that on you, I didn't actually wish it on you. I just think that you need to retire and that you have no business in the wrestling business. I think you're a cancer. I think you are one of the things that people need to understand is a bad thing about professional wrestling. Um, You're not a good employee. You're not a good coworker. You're not a good colleague. You think you're some sort of artiste that has license to do whatever you want, and you don't. You ruined the biggest money angle in the last company you were in, and now you're not going to make WrestleMania again because of your tricep tear. Uh, That's unfortunate. Hopefully you recover, and hopefully you retire, because the roster's deep enough without you, and they don't need the headache that you are. Prima Donna. High maintenance, can't be trusted, and the right guy won the Royal Rumble. To to put it on Punk would have been a joke. And then the, I didn't wait 10 years to lose to Dusty's kid. All right, buddy. You know, okay, I get it. Whatever. Telegraph the fact that you were losing the Rumble. Um, But I'm not a Cody Rhodes guy either, necessarily. But he is probably the best baby face in all of professional wrestling, and it's not really close. So, well, I'll well, agree please, with some of that. I won't necessarily agree with all of it. Though, well, nobody agrees with I me agree on CM Punk because I am where. that guy. It is an irrational hatred for CM Punk, and I openly acknowledge that. But the rational side of the well, hatred—it's not is only the, that part. You say there's plenty of depth and i don't i don't know that there is there's a lot of names i don't think that there's depth with the following that punk has that's my oh, you, concern there's a lot oh, of you're talking about good the guys i don't the cult know. leader the cult leader aspect of it where every aew fan for the longest time was a cm punk fan they were one in the same those people were one in the same until you had the civil war between cm punk and the elite and that really is, you know, that's really what did it for me. The only reason I ever watched CM Punk was because he was on the wrestling program until he went to AEW. Then I wanted to see what they were going to do with him. And I thought they did okay for a little while. And then, of course, you have the brawl out and all that bullshit. And 
He ruined the money angle with with uh, MJF, who, by the way, did not Bobby, show up at the Royal that Rumble. Earlier. You mentioned that not earlier in the show. It's just nobody knows that you did. What's that? <laughs> no. <laughs> That's an inside joke, and we're not going to touch on that anymore. Anyway, so obviously we talked about the guys that um, – obviously I was, I'm a little warmer toward Punk doing something. I was hoping to see Punk against Seth, honestly. I was hoping well, that's to the only Punk one that makes Seth. sense because Seth Rollins yeah. is the best wrestler in the world. And I don't care what anybody says. And there's a built-in story, whether it's truth or, or not. Um, and I think that would be a good angle. It's not going to happen. Uh, Gunther's sitting there. Gunther deserves a shot. So we'll see what happens there. I wouldn't hate Gunther defeating Seth and becoming a double champion at WrestleMania. I wouldn't really mind wouldn't. a couple of these belts merging. Well, the Intercontinental uh, title is the Intercontinental title, Terry. And the United States title is the United States title, Terry. But there should only be one okay. world champion. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's kind of what I mean there. Yeah. I would have, I would have honestly, it would have been great to see, and I know he, he couldn't do it, but see Seth enter the Royal Rumble and win it and then challenge Roman Reigns. Yeah. Something like that. That, would that be could great. be fun. That could be fun. Um, yeah, that could be fun. Remember, Damian Priest still know. has the has the briefcase too for the Money in the Bank cash in. This is true. Unless they and notice him. Yeah. Oh God, please no. Um, or Mr. Kennedy, him, where he gets beat by somebody in a wrestling match for the briefcase. <laughs> But no, the uh, the finish of this one, obviously CM Punk was hurt, you know. Some of the stuff yeah. I say just to be shocking and controversial, other stuff I mean, I'll let y'all try to figure out what is what. But um, everybody who knows me knows. Anyway, uh, I love... But I will say that Raw was impressive with him being injured like that and them having um, having him getting stomped like that. Oh, I love I love McIntyre. Right now, I'm not a Drew McIntyre guy, but I'm a Drew McIntyre guy after Monday. Fuck CM Punk, just like Ohio. But that State. he's one of those guys that I'm saying that he's good, but I just I don't put him at that level to be really a challenge. That was a world former champion. world champion during I, I, COVID, sir. Former world champion during. I, COVID. I understand that, but I said I don't put him at that level. Even if they yeah. did, I don't do that. Yeah, I, get I don't it. think he's got it. <laughs> anyway, so th we talked about that didn't really have a great Royal Rumble ending, but um, it got us thinking. You know, we said that we're going to do some top tens every week, and they're going to be different. This week, we thought we would do a Rumble-related top ten, and we asked a few friends to help out. So we are doing this week the top 10 Royal Rumble match finishes from 1988 all the way to through 2024. You ready for this, Andrew? I am ready. Shout out to that awful Justin Davis for helping us put this together. So if somehow some, sh some shitty finish finished up higher than it should have, blame Justin Davis. That's at JD2040, I think, or something. Anyway... 
he's <laughs> just making it up. He's he's the basketball referee on Twitter. Blame him. Co-host of the Pond Water Wrestling with Pond Water Dave and Friends. So alongside the lovely Amy Vaughn. You, you get that title wrong every time. But anyway. It's not my fucking fault they changed it. <laughs> All right, let's start with number 10. Number 10, Randy Orton eliminates Triple H in the 2009 Royal Rumble. And why don't I get a little detail for you? Because if you don't remember that one, I can't remember it very well. Let me tell you, I went through and I watched like the last two or three minutes of every single one of these. And um, that way I could document what the what the finishes actually were. And this one, sir, this one ended. So there, the final four was Triple H and three members of the Legacy. Uh, Randy Orton, Cody Rhodes, and Ted DiBiase Jr. The, yep. the Legacy members, uh, they, they triple team Triple H. And, um, you know, Triple H, I guess, you know, you start beating on somebody, then you start celebrating. He ended up being able to do a pedigree on Rhodes. He threw DiBiase out. And, um, and then it was, let's see. And then, you know, before... You know, but he got those two guys out, so it ended up being him and Orton. But before Triple H could turn around after eliminating um, those two guys, uh, Orton was able to to lift him up and throw him out. So, so and let's let's add Sorry, right my reading now. Comprehension here. <laughs> I've got the iPad with the results up, Terry. Don't worry, I'm I'm of the yeah, uh, speed, <laughs> speed reading class. But no, seriously. 2009 Randy Orton, the serial killer Randy Orton, the Randy Orton that booted Stephanie McMahon or DDT her in front of Triple H and all that. That presentation of the Viper is unparalleled. The thing is, I don't think modern wrestling would accept it because, I mean, he's kicking people in the face. He's beating up on Vince, which now we know Vince deserved. But um, like I said, he DDT Stephanie, slithers all over in like a sexual sort of thing. Uh, Randy Orton, 2009, I call him cocaine, Randy Orton. That was a bad son bitch back then, Terry. He was not a, not a nice person. So anyway, what's number eight or number nine? And I'll take care of the descriptor. All right. Click it up. So number Click nine, it on there, buddy. this is the co-winners of Lex Luger and Bret Hart from the 1994 rumble. And I think we know this one pretty much by heart though. Did Bryant Harimza pick had, this shit? Because they just covered this on the kickout crew. Oh, did they? Um, yeah. It was Bryant Harimza voting. Luger and Brett fall out the ring. Referees disagree. Jack Tunney comes down, says they're both winners. Really, the reason for it is they didn't know who to put up against Yoko at WrestleMania 10. But they hit the ring at the same time. This is what we do know from Bruce Pritchard talking about Bret Hart. Even if they don't always agree. He said that Bret Hart was the guy they picked to do the move because they trusted he would make sure they both hit the floor at the same time. And they had all the cameras in position so that if for some reason they didn't, yeah. they could make it look right. like they did. That's yeah, what so I remember they had the about cameraman that one. Just around the corner so you couldn't tell. That's right. Number eight, Terry, hit me. 
We're on a clock. Number eight is That's an inside John joke to Cena our fans. eliminates Triple H. John Huge. Cena eliminates Triple H in the 2008 Royal Rumble. Huge pop. This isn't like a really shocking uh, 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 ending. But what the, the big deal was is Cena had a torn peck, if I remember correctly. Came back way earlier than expected. The dirt sheets didn't know he was going to be there. It was a genuine Royal Rumble surprise. Triple H does his best sell, you know, facial expressions, the same thing he's done for years. And then they get down to the final two and they go back and forth, back and forth. And John Cena wins. And uh, uh, but really, really good Royal Rumble, I thought, personally. Number seven. Becky Lynch eliminates Charlotte Flair in the 2019 Royal Rumble. Now, isn't that the second incarnation of the Women's Rumble? Yes, it is. So that's the second one. It's the one. second one, yeah. Yeah, 2007 uh, or 2019. Becky hitting the man and beating the man's daughter. You know, not a man, but the man, the nature boy. Um, well, there's a little... Uh, this was an interesting one. Because um, Nia Jax gets eliminated. Yeah. And then Becky Lynch is on the outside and she starts climbing the steps. And Nia Jax comes and just bull rushes her and knocks her off the steps. And that's where she supposedly hurt her knee. So she's got this hurt knee. Looks like Charlotte's easily going to get this. And Becky ends up winning it. So that was a pretty good ending. Yeah. Terry's a Becky Lynch fan. I'm an okay on the Charlotte, but I prefer the Jade and Bianca. It's me. Up next, Terry, number six. Number six. Rhea Ripley eliminates Liv Morgan in the 2023 Royal Rumble last year. Yeah, so Rhea basically dominated this Royal Rumble. Liv Morgan, of course, the underdog. They got Asuka involved. Um... Rhea cowed Oscar, pulls her off the apron. Oscar attempted to miss her, but ducked and hit Liv. Rhea kicks Oscar mm-hmm. to the floor. Liv's blinded after a few minutes of Liv blinded attempts, few moments rather, to get Rhea. Rhea just knocks her down. But Rhea dominated the 23 Royal Rumble. That was her. That was yeah. really where she was building to WrestleMania. And I don't know Terry if there's been a more untouchable female wrestler in the last little bit. I know Charlotte Flair's won all the championships, but this run that Rhea has been on and the matches that she has delivered, um, her and Bianca at Backlash 2023 in Puerto Rico, where Bad Bunny was wrestling Damian Priest, the WrestleMania Backlash, whatever they called it. Buddy, they beat the brakes off of each other. And I mean, it was a fantastic match. And... uh uh, I really like Rhea Ripley. Really think she's a fantastic wrestler, and she's young. She's so young because um, she's years not ahead of her. I mean, she's not thirty. Be gone. And Ashley yeah. is my age. You know, Ashley Flair, Rick Flair's daughter, Charlotte. She's my age, so that's another eight years. You know, eight or nine years. Anyway, number five, we're cracking the top five, Terry. Rey Mysterio somehow wins the. Royal Rumble by eliminating Randy Orton in 2006. I need to get some glasses on. I can't hardly see these numbers here. So if you remember, Eddie died in 2005, and they really did the Eddie Guerrero tribute train with Rey Mysterio being his uh, banner carrier, 
for the lack of a better way to say it, not meant to be disrespectful. Uh, but Mysterio's involved with Triple H, Randy Orton. Triple H tried to throw him out and got pulled over, and then he eliminated Randy Orton in a similar fashion. They will insert Kurt Angle and Randy Orton into the triple threat match at Mania because they didn't think it would be legit enough for Ray to battle uh, Angle, you know, but he will win with the West Coast pop on Kurt Angle or on Randy Orton in the uh, at WrestleMania. It, but Mysterio went, I believe, an a hour and two or three minutes. He was number one. I think Triple H was number two. I may have that wrong, Terry, because 2006 is where they do the DX reunion after WrestleMania when McMahon takes on Shawn Michaels that year. Okay. If you say so. I didn't have those details in here. I went through and got the best details I could on 47 or 48 different finishes, so it took me a while. But anyway, let's go to number four. And that is 1995, Shawn Michaels eliminates the British Bulldog. This was revolutionary to some degree. This is um, this is impressive because it was the first time we saw something. You want to take this? I can, I yeah. can describe this. You go right ahead, but there's one thing I want to add to this. That this is the only so, Royal Rumble where it was 60 seconds between entrance this is the shortest Royal Rumble in history. Now go ahead, Terry. So the impressive part here is, and you know, they had not been doing it that long. So this is what the eighth Royal Rumble. And, um, you know, the British Bulldog throws Shawn Michaels over the top, turns around, starts celebrating. He's won the Royal Rumble. Shawn Michaels, this is the first time we saw this holds on to the top rope. He's not letting those feet touch. Now, one thing we didn't really think about real hard here is it's two feet touching, right? So if one foot touches, I don't I don't think that counts, but you know, they didn't really go into that. But he lifts himself back up, gets back in the ring. Next thing you know, uh, British Bulldogs over the top ropes and Shawn Michaels wins. This was the first yeah. time we saw that. First time we saw so it, and they never, they've never really done it as well ever again. Le legitimately. Right. It's never that been. That was really impressive. Yeah, it's never been done as well. Again. I mean, it, it happens all the time to some degree. We see it a lot, but not like that. It's a spot, not a finish so we anymore. We go to number three. Yeah. Right, yeah. Well, it's just kind of like finishing moves. It's it, it gets used more than it should. It doesn't mean as much as it does as it did. It's just kind of how it is. Number three, the 2007 Royal Rumble, The Undertaker eliminates Shawn Michaels. And in this one... This is so building yeah, this up is to one, one of, of their matches. where somebody was on the outside. Yeah, go ahead. Two finalists battled it out for several minutes. Shawn Michaels lines up a super kick. Undertaker slowly rises to his feet. When Michaels went for the kick, Taker ducked, grabbed him, and threw him over the top rope. So this is the one where Michaels re-entered the ring yeah. as both Randy Orton and Edge teamed up against the Undertaker lying on the ring mat. Proceeded to eliminate him quickly. 
So this is the one where Undertaker goes on to WrestleMania and defeats Batista in like the fourth match on the card. 2007, WrestleMania 23. Um, but anyway, the uh, uh, really good match, uh, good finish, but it, one of the things that I think does it is that Taker countered that so quickly and threw him over the top. And it's it's it was it was a surprise. It wasn't like it was obvious that's what was yeah. going to happen. Right. Number two. Nineteen ninety seven Royal Rumble. Steve Austin eliminates Bret Hart, and this one's good because technically, Bret Hart eliminated Steve Austin before this happened. The referees never saw it, as the, as we know. But not if and, the ref doesn't see it. Yeah, the refs never saw it. Austin jumps back in. It's Vader, Austin, Brett, and Mankind are the final four. Uh, I think that's right, isn't that? Austin, Brett, Vader. I want to say it's Mankind. Those are the final four. Um, or no, it's Taker. Uh, it's Taker. It's not Mankind. It's Taker. Because they do the final four pay-per-view in 97. So it's Bret Hart, Steve Austin, Undertaker, Vader. Those are your final four. And anyway, Austin goes ahead and, and he's out on the apron. The referee's not paying attention. Bret Hart, he dumps Bret Hart. He wins the Rumble. Up until Bret Hart entered the Rumble, though, uh, and this is a really well-done storyline device that helps set up WrestleMania 13. Up until... Up until uh, Bret Hart was in the Rumble, uh, you saw Austin just dominating. He was tossing people out. This is the Rumble where, if people have seen it, he'll sit on the top rope, you know, with his feet on the second rope, and he's sitting there looking at his watch, pretending like, you know, because he's just beating everybody, throwing them out until Bret hits. And then he does the whole, oh, you know, where he puts his hands on his head like he's shocked that Bret Hart, you know, is the next entrant and all that. So, anyway. More detail than people All right, ask for. The final one, probably. I not know which be one it is. Surprise! Better be ninety-two. Nineteen ninety-two. Ric Flair yeah. eliminates Sid Justice with a little bit of help from the outside. Well, it was every man for himself, and Hulk was a heel. Nobody will ever convince yeah, me that boy. Hogan was every in man a heel. For himself, big boy. Yeah, yeah, and then he snatches his hand. Flair gets behind Justice, dumps him over the top. We get the WrestleMania. We think we're going to get Hogan Flair. Instead, we get Hogan Savage, which, let's face it, better wrestling match. And you get the spectacle in yeah. Hogan Sid with the Warrior returning at the end in the, in the Hoosier Dome there in Indiana. So it all worked out, you know, except for Hogan, because he was basically gone after that, you know, WrestleMania. But anyway, um, good finish. That one was a good finish. And that Royal Rumble... 92, often considered the best of them all. But when you look at the talent in that, the final four were Hogan, Sid Vicious, Sid Justice, whatever you want to call him, Ric Flair, and the Macho Man. Piper was in there. Um, Jake the Snake was in that rumble. Undertaker was in that rumble. It is a who's who in that rumble. Texas Tornado was in that rumble. Uh, Mr. Perfect. No, Perfect wasn't in that Rumble, because that was 92. 
He was with he was with Heenan, and I love Bobby Heenan's commentary on the '92 Rumble. Flair comes out number three. That's not fair to Flair. That's not fair to Flair. He's screaming and hollering on the on the on the mic. It's it's great, great Bobby Heenan. And then they do the promo at the end with a tear in my eye. It's the greatest night of my life. Forty uh, one year old Ric right. Flair wins the Royal Rumble and goes to WrestleMania. But anyway, that's our well, top ten, Terry. Yeah, and this was the fifth one, and um, I'll put the list list away, but we'll keep talking about 92, because one thing about it, it was so early, it was the fifth Rumble, and the four before that were very similar. You know, you had um, Duggan won the first one. Um, Big John Stud like won the second one. Of the rope. Yeah, Big John Stud won the second one, and they were similar finishes. The next two, Hogan won, and he kind of just hulked up and, and beat somebody. They needed something different, and this was a very good way to do that. And here's the other thing for all of our wrestling historians out there. The 92 Rumble is for the world title because of the Tuesday in Texas debacle with The Undertaker and Hogan. After that, the winner of the Royal Rumble becomes the number one contender. That started in 1993. Fun fact for everybody, it was Yokozuna and it was Randy Savage. Savage hit Savage actually got Yoko off his feet, hits him with the elbow, goes for the pin, Yoko kicks out, Savage does this huge bump over the top rope. Yoko's on his way to WrestleMania to face uh Bret Hart. But anyway That was a struggle Sav- finish. I mean, they didn't know what to do with Yoko there. Yeah, and I say all that to say this. <laughs> um I say all that to say this. That really stepped up the Rumble game when they made the number one contender the winner of the Royal Rumble. Yeah, it did. Now it's gotten convoluted because you have multiple champions and all that stuff. But go ahead, Terry. Sorry. But it also means that we're not going to see, like, you know, we saw Otis win Money in the Bank. We're not going to see Otis win the Royal. No, it's always going to be a big name. Always going to be a big name now. Because it has to be a main eventer for WrestleMania. It does. It does. But we love it. Anyway. I, I think it's the best pay-per-view all year. It has been since it started. Um, it's definitely the best match concept, I think. Very creative. So... What else happened this weekend, sir? I think we we have started out as a football podcast, but we've gone an hour and 42 minutes. We're not talking football, but there's some football going on. Yeah, but we can limit this conversation. Yeah, we can limit this conversation to 90 seconds because I'm getting my ass kicked in our pool. <laughs> um, I'm losing to Timmy C. Filter Free Popcast. Dave has We're put so this pool together, and Terry is in front of me. And I am behind him and Timmy C. Like, I don't care if I win, but I cannot stand losing to Timmy C. You can't take this guy seriously. He has a top knot, aviator sunglasses, calls himself a podcast god. Like, all right, John Bradshaw Layfield, step back from the step back from the uh, self-press there a minute. But anyway, um, the Lions, buddy, shit the <sighs> bed. 24 they to did. 7, they had the lead. 
I don't understand Dan Campbell not, not kicking the field goals, though. I don't understand him not kicking the uh, field it's, goals. It's the same thing. It's the same thing we talked about with Dan Lanning. You know, it's like that's how he got here. Well, at some point, you got to be smarter. Well, and those six points win him the football game. Yeah. Same same as with Washington. Those those field goals would have won Dan Lanning the football game. Um, yeah, and the these Chiefs are not the Chiefs that played all season. These are the no. I I thought the Ravens. I picked the Chiefs to win, but I thought this was going to have a lot more points than it did. I mean, look it up. I thought we were in the fifties, weren't we? Wasn't the over under in the upper forties or the fifties? And they didn't get anywhere close to that. Yeah, they didn't get anywhere close to that, Terry. I mean, who the hell was playing Iowa? Shit, let's go. You know. But yeah, so we've got, you know, we got the Chiefs, we got the 49ers, and we got Super Bowl. Let me see if I can break down a Roman numeral. I don't know if you realized it, but I did it wrong in the notes the first time. I had to go correct it. Super Bowl 58, L-V-I-I-I. And that's going to be in Las Vegas in a couple of weeks on February 11th. And I don't think there's anything else to say. I mean... The Lions had it, and they stunk it up royally on Royal Rumble weekend. And Other the than Chiefs, there are people that think it was completely scripted now because, you know, they uh, thought everybody wanted the Niners and the Chiefs, and, and I don't I don't buy into that bullshit. I really don't. Um, I think you've got a great it, it defense who it was. in yeah. San Francisco, and you've got a guy, yeah. dad bod or not, in Patrick Mahomes, one too many Coors Lights or not, doesn't matter. Did you see this? They're body shaming Patrick Mahomes, the wealthiest quarterback in the NFL, because he's got a beer belly. It's hilarious, buddy. I love fucking, he's I love the job fucking people. Who cares? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't care how he walks. I don't care how he runs. I don't care how he sounds. He's playing for his fourth Super Bowl, and third championship if i'm not mistaken or maybe he's he's maybe, climbing that list pretty quickly yeah and he's not 30 okay so yeah uh there it's, you go um, yeah they're they're good they're good when they want to be good and they decided right now that they want to be good and i have not picked anybody for the super bowl yet we still got a little bit of time but um i don't know that's going to be easy Honestly, because no, numbers because, point to San Francisco. Yeah. The eyeballs point to Kansas City. Yeah, because you've got the defensive prowess of the Chase Young, the the Bosa, uh, Randy Gregory. Their back end is fantastic. They've got Christian McCaffrey on the offensive side of the ball. Purdy's playing okay, you know, as long as he doesn't make a lot of mistakes. You got George Kittle, who is a weapon out of the slot for San Fran. And then on the other side of it, you've got Patrick Mahomes, probably as close to a prodigy in football as you will ever find. Went to Texas Tech University, for anybody who gives a shit. Air raid offense galore. But the guy, Dever, the, the press he got, was for putting up gaudy yards and numbers and then that shootout with Oklahoma. He never was really considered a Heisman candidate. He wasn't he wasn't picked high on the draft. Ben McAdoo, the Giants coach, Just really, really liked him and got shut down. Got shut down. And all of a sudden, we have somebody who, if his longevity holds out, is threatening Brady. 
in terms of potential yeah, successes, definitely. you know, um, and certainly going to break any record Tom Brady had in passing and touchdowns and all of that sort of thing. He, as his merry men, including Travis Kelsey, um, I still, you know, I get the Swifties out there, but I'd like to see more shirtless Jason Kelsey than I would Taylor Swift. Just an opinion. Go get drunk with the San Fran fans in the Super Bowl. Nobody will nobody will chastise the arguably the greatest center the game's ever seen. Uh, and and who the hell is really going to step up to Jason Kelsey there, Terry? I mean, I don't know of anybody that wants that smoke coming from that 290-pound lineman there. Uh, he's a pretty athletic big man. You know, <laughs> like only you said, he, like you said, he cleared Kylie will step up, but she's the only he, one. He cleared that fucking press box or whatever, missed all the and beers. Were yeah. <laughs> and this is a 290 pound man, you know, I mean, and, yeah. and he moves like a cat. So, um, yeah. but no, I, I, here's what I want because you know, I don't have an investment in pro football. I want a really good football game. I want to see San Francisco pressure Mahomes and make Mahomes make really good decisions. I want to see San or see Kansas City be able to have a little backbone on defense, that sort of thing, because they're not a great defensive team. You know, a lot of times they kind of yeah. rely on that offensive power, although they did better during the playoffs. But it's like you said, Kansas City's a light switch. When they want to turn it on, it's on, and when it's off. It is off. Like, they're not beating anybody. I thought this was Buffalo's best chance to win a playoff game against Kansas City because they had all the advantages. And Kansas City went into Buffalo, went into their house, and, and they won the football game. So, good for them. Yeah, Purdy's kind of like that, too, at quarterback for San Francisco. He oh, when he's always look great. No, when he's on, he's on. But when he's yeah, off, but it, really, it is it ugly. Off, yeah. yeah, it is ugly. That's right. So that's the tough part. It's like, is he going to? How much of this game is he going to be that good? And is he right. going to screw up? But we've said that kind of stuff. We said it about Jalen Milrow. You know, we Tua was that way in college to some degree. Second, can they get it done? <laughs> Anyway, let's move along from the NFL playoffs. We've got the Super Bowl coming in a couple of weeks. One more segment, sir, and you called the shot this week. So uh, why don't you take the lead on this one? We're going to balance out what we said about the asshole of the week earlier in the show. And we've got something that we want to end the show on. Yeah, so this is an idea that came along in the group chat. I don't mind giving people credit. We've got a very tight-knit group chat that we talk to people on, and uh, there's four of us that are involved in it. And we we knew that we wanted to have a segment where we roast somebody or tell about a disturbingly bad person you are and don't be like that. And then we needed to have a champion, as we call it. So we've got the champ of the week. And because it's Royal Rumble week, and he did such a great job putting together a nice event for a lot of our friends there in Tampa, we wanted to shout out Mr. Justin Yent. I believe I said his name correctly. I think it it is just like it's spelled. Justin, I apologize if I did not say it correctly. Um, But Justin is known as the fun coordinator for the Filter Free Popcast. Now, Terry and I have mentioned these guys before. 
it's Dave in the in the Huntsville. The what does he call himself? The HSV now. Um, anyway, it's it's Dave. We love Dave. Uh, outlandish, obnoxious. Well, there's TJ. You know, um, obviously we like TJ. He kind of is the brains behind the outfit. And then there's this idiot Timmy C. Uh, top knot and all, summer suits, whatever. Cannot stand losing to him. But then there's Justin. He's the unsung hero of the bunch. And everybody needs a Justin Yint. A very positive, very balanced, very grounded individual. All your friend group needs to have somebody like this. And I promise you, I'm not the somebody in my friend group. Um, that belongs to one of the female contingent. And Terry knows which one I'm talking about. So, um, at the end of the day, though, I really think what Justin did was fantastic, putting that whole event together where they did what they call the Sweet Life. This is the filter-free podcast exclusive special. They uh, go to the wrestling events. Typically, I think it's been WWE, but I guess you guys went to AEW, didn't you? You went to the Chicago event. A couple event. Of times there was AEW, yeah. But they rent a suite. They split the cost. Everybody has a good time. You got a private bathroom, you got food, you get, you know, um, you get to, you get a good view. You don't have somebody standing up in front of you the entire time. They're not uncomfortable seats. Um, the food and alcohol is very close. If that's kind of your thing, you know, um, convenient sometimes, but Justin, yeah, Terry will tell you a story someday about socks and alcohol and i'll We've leave already it right mentioned there it three times let's go let's go let's go move along move along <laughs> positive things about justin that's what we're talking about well i mean i can't help it anyway <laughs> <laughs> this is an entertainment show terry even if you're the butt of the joke um <laughs> justin does incredible work for the for the podcast everybody has a good time Nobody has a negative thing to say about the man. He is Mr. Positivity. If I'm not mistaken, he works for St. Jude. And he did a Rumble um, charity event. I had mentioned I got Nia Jax at number 19. I got Shinsuke Nakamura at whatever number he was at. He didn't win either. Um, I got 14 and 15 won, unfortunately. But the, yeah, Terry, won away, just like Auburn. Anyhow, moving on. Roll tie. No, they were a lot knew, more than one away. You knew <laughs> I'd get it in there. Um, but the the deal with the the deal with Justin Yin is that he is one of those compassionate, empathetic people that I wish I had some of that, you know. And we're very grateful for people like him because it's really easy in the world we live in. Think about what we talked about on this show. Somebody's getting executed for murder for hire, Vince McMahon and the sex allegations. Um even even our fun story about the woman who donated her, her wedding reception, she did so because she broke up with her fiancé. They're not getting married, you know? So all of this hate, negativity, bullshit, and we have people like Justin Yent in the world that need to be protected because they're so warm, so caring, so loving, so thoughtful of other people. Um. And I'm I'm not Justin's best friend. Don't don't think I'm putting him over because I'm his best friend. And I don't say that to be hateful or ugly. I know him through the wrestling group, and I've and I've in, I've gotten to do some things because of him. And I don't think you will find a more caring and genuine person. Genuinely speaking, I I, I don't don't think you've got one out there that you could 
you could put up against Justin yet. So he's our hero this week. He's the guy we want to be more like. Uh, I know yeah, Terry. Terry's got a relationship with him as well. Um, but I, I, you know, I had suggested it because I know that one of my best friends had a great experience at the Royal Rumble. And, um, I know she doesn't mind me saying it. She has a son who's got some, uh, different, different challenges he deals with. And one of them can be a little bit anxious in society and socially rather and in social settings. And Justin made him feel very warm and very welcome. And nobody said he had to do that. That's the kind of person he is, though. And made sure that my best friend's son enjoyed every aspect of that event and that wrestling event for his birthday. So I thank you, Justin. I love you. And please continue to do what you're doing because the world needs a lot more light like you in it. Definitely. And I thank you also. And um, we promise... For all the friends out there that listen to us, we're not just picking down a friends list. So far, it's been Andrew and Justin. Um, we're probably going to hit some famous folks that we think need some kind of praise that they've done something recently. Uh, but these are the people that came to mind first. And uh, the Royal Rumble event and all the things that, that went around that kind of influenced it this week. We haven't decided who's next week. We kind of do things last minute. Stop we it. We absolutely do, do things last minute. So we, we do. But anyway, um, we want to end every show on a positive and uh, mention somebody worth mentioning. So that is our champ of the week. You know, maybe we'll have a logo, like a belt or something. I've got it in my head. I've got to get it on the screen. We'll see how that goes. But um, a little lengthier show than we thought we were going to have. We were planning on going shorter, but it hasn't really happened. We talked about a lot today. NFL playoffs, um, asshole of the week, champ of the week, Royal Rumble. It's been a good show, though. I think it's pretty entertaining. Um, We did some serious stuff, fun stuff, positive stuff, ending on a positive. We thank everybody for tuning in, for watching. If we ever get anything on YouTube, we'll see. We're working on it. For listening. Um, and we'll see you next week, everybody. Have a great week. Thank you for listening. We are TNA Top 10 on all social media. I'm TWeave79. He's 30, your fan. We're available weekly where you get your podcasts. Like, subscribe, and share. Thank you. <laughs>